Welcome to Machine Learning. I want to talk about Gato, G-A-T-O, from Google. It's a generalized machine learning AI, generalized AI. And the way it works is it tokenizes uh, text, actions, and images. So everything is put into uh, a token form. So for text, it uh, uses like sequence to sequence text vectorization, where you're predicting what the next word will be or next character. Uh, the text or images are broken up into tiles and uh, and then two-dimensionally and then fed into as a vector stream. And then actions are similar to words. E each action is uh, fed in and predicted. So the, the argument is that the generalized model or these foundational models will be better than the specialized models that companies are working on. So they take a, a number of different uh, models that they show, and they show how uh, uh, Gatto performs against them. And it roughly 50%, it can it can do as well as for 50% of the task, it can do as well as the uh, specific models. And then for 100% of the task where it converges, um, it it, uh, um, it it can um, so at 100% it does e even less. So it's still operating on the idea of you increase the model size, like it's at 1.5 billion parameters you increase its capability. Now, we've seen some of this with GPT-3, and that's obviously the model that I've been talking about. Um, and I've used GPT-3, and I keep making uh, requests to improve the relevance of the data. For example, GPT-3 will do an analysis, but sometimes it's uh, making predictions based on 2012 data, or it's making conclusions as of 2014. So it's not really relevant, and so a lot of times uh, I have to go look at its facts that it's returning and and correct them because the numbers are incorrect uh, as it relates to 2022. And so that's one of the big models problems with the foundational models, even though they have lots of data that they are they are transforming and adjusting as weights and building probabilities against, the data is not always current or relevant. And that's a challenging thing about foundational models. But here I like what Gatto's done because I've, I've made recommendations to GPT-3 uh, open codex project that they make the move towards the ability to uh, send in large amounts of date binary data that like say represent a image 
and then have GPT-3 analyze the image either for scientific explanations, like say if you put a molecule there, or a chemical reaction, that it can explain what that chemical reaction is, or it can explain what the behavior that it sees in the image is. Uh, for example, maybe you're analyzing footage on a soccer game, and it's been trained on the behavior that a umpire would see or a referee would see, and it could do the analysis from the perspective of a referee, or it could do the analysis of the behavior from the perspective of a coach or a sports commentator. And so you could get a lot of text that's coming back to you during a game, uh, not only just the stats, the shooting stats, but some of the strategies that are are being implemented and helping you understand the game. I know when I was listening, watching the World Cup or uh, FAA Cup with my son-in-law, there was a lot of things that he would do was happening that he explained to me that helped me engage more into the game uh, as a result of his own expertise and knowledge. And I think that's one of the advantages of AI with uh, the, the digital world we have is we want not just to take a picture, um, but maybe to describe what's going on in the picture. You know, we can take, we can recognize now faces that are in pictures and locations that we can geotag where pictures occurred. But we really don't have a way to describe behavior. And so if you could describe behavior, then it could be dis, uh, searchable. You know, especially like in karate, like if you're watching a karate fight, you know, why did the person do a particular technique? What was the intent? Or uh, basketball, why did he, why, what was the play that they were engaged in? Maybe it was uh, give and go. That's a kind of a famous one where you pass it, pass it off to another player, then you cut towards the basket and they bounce pass to you on your way to the basket and you, you do a layup. Um, and maybe GPT-3 could analyze from the context historically of the team its shot pattern. So let's say if it takes, in a game, it takes 80% of its shots around the three-point perimeter, then it can start to predict what the, the plays will be or whether the team is playing according to its historical behavior. And, you know, just as we were talking about earlier this morning about fractals and fractals being everywhere, um, I think the AI is going to be somewhat similar to that. It's going to be everywhere, uh, especially, you know, like whether we've talked about having AI describe to you um, a narrative when you're driving. What is the behavior of the cars around you? Pedestrians who are crossing the street, people who are 
uh, riding bicycles. And so there's this narrative that needs to be translated into text. And you can get a full feedback of the log for all the activities while driving. And that could be very useful for companies that um, are actively involved in transportation of goods. You could It could give the number of times that the driver was distracted or you know, even at the point now where we're talking about self-driving vehicles, that uh, it could give a dialogue of what it saw, accidents that were along the routes, delays, what were the causes of the delays, road conditions, weather conditions. Um, there, so this, the idea now of more real-time gathering of data through devices is is going to be. Um, important. And so we're building models of everything around us in the world. And now we need to have uh, generalized intelligent models that are analyzing that data and capable of taking action. That was one of the, the big things I saw with uh, GATO that was kind of interesting is that it could be trained to play a game. So like for example, DeepMind, where it played uh, Go, it played the multiplayer game where Alpha Go, where it, or Alpha Zero, where it won. Uh, one of the kind of fantasy games. But then you could have it play, learn, and play all the Atari games and all the Nintendo games. And then eventually, you know. It could do lots of different types of decisions where actions were required. And so it could learn from, uh, you know, anything that has actions that are, are capable of being captured and then learned from. Generalized AI is, is, is interesting. Uh, Proposal for cost-wise, I I found that uh, GPT-3 continues to perform very well for me, and uh, I've enjoyed the answers that it's provided, and and, and continue to provide feedback to the uh, OpenAI team about improvements. And really, I would love to be a part of that team uh, to see it become getting more into business because that's the sector that's really going to pay to use those services. And, uh, you know, some of the things that GPT-3 can, can do is summarize your content, which I do. I, every time I write up a weekly summarization, I always put it through GPT-3 and it, it wordsmiths it. And it puts it in a, uh, like an edited form and it's easier to understand. And so I like that feature about it and uh, continue to use that. Uh, email completion, story generation. Never, I haven't found much value yet in story generations, but I have found a lot of value in GPT-3 for podcasting where we uh, uh, talk about different subjects and answer different questions that are coming in 
on the website and then looking at the conclusions that GPD-3 has and trying to assess whether or not it's accurate. And so far, I've been pretty impressed. I haven't really come across something where GPD-3 has thrown something out that has been really incomprehensible. I mean, there's a lot of questions about hydrogen production that I have on my website. And uh, one of the things that they use for rockets is hydrogen peroxide to build the, the hydrogen storage that they need for liftoff. And so understanding that process was interesting today. But there should be other things that GPT-3 is very good at. For example, couldn't it learn most of the mathematics uh, from Khan Academy? So it studies all the Khan Academy videos and then learns things like Z-score, where you take a uh, value and then you compare that against the mean and divide it by the standard deviation. So now you have a Z-score that's shared across multiple data sets. And uh, from that Z-score, then you can get kind of an idea based on a normal distribution what is happening with your data. So I did look at that, and I thought, well, that's really interesting, you know. But actually, um, understanding Z-score, I knew it was important. I did, I did some things with machine learning with Z-score, but I actually had to watch a Khan Academy to kind of get it in my head why Z-score was important across multiple data sets and how to use that when it came to um, finding top performance in the data set. And then that became something that was kind of interesting to me because I could see a practical usage of Z-score. You know, when you look at Z-scores in machine learning, they, they use it uh, kind of to isolate data and then, you know, talk about some statistics and quartiles and getting confidence bands and things like that. And, you know, it's it's used a lot in mathematical thinking, but is it used in business? And so you have to put it in a form that business understands, you know, like top 10% performance or uh, items to, to, to look at. And for the most part, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, a lot of businesses learning advanced mathematics and then analyzing the data with those mathematics and seeing if there's something in the data that could be useful for business and then presenting it in a way that the business understands. That's always the key is getting things, moving things uh, for that are complex into a form that is usable. And so, if things are complicated, um, then it probably means that 
complication and make things more explainable and understandable. And so there's this trade-off between complication and complexity. Complexity is not necessarily bad because it may be able to reduce the complication in the approach. And sometimes when I'm working on uh, programming and I'm going down a certain line of, of uh, thinking, if I can't get the end form in a in a way that is not complicated for the user, then I have to just keep working, even if the steps are complicated or complex. Sorry, and even though they get complex, I I still am able to uh, uh, get them in a, get the data in a form that's usable by the 